Hey, Running Rogue listeners, this is Chris and Steve coming at you for a special edition episode. We've got the U.S. Track and Field National Championships this coming weekend, starting on Thursday. We're going to try to get this up today, which is a Wednesday, and we've got the events happening from Thursday through Sunday this weekend. They will be televised on NBC Gold guess that's not televised that's streamed on NBC gold on thursday and friday and then you can also watch it on NBC gold on the weekend but it'll be live on nbc from three to five central saturday and sunday so you can also watch it on free tv this weekend so we highly we highly recommend that you tune into that and at this point if you haven't gotten behind the NBC gold paywall think you and I have both decided that it's worth it, even if it's painful, because not only do you get national championships like this, but you also get pretty much every major marathon and you get diamond league meets and you get more than I guess I really had thought originally. So it's worth, I think, every penny, even if it's frustrating to have to pay to watch track and field. So set your DVRs. Be ready to tune in this weekend at a minimum on on NBC, 3 to 5 Central, Saturday and Sunday. As we like to do, we're going to do our preview show talking through all of the middle distance and distance events. We are going to do this in our typical order, which is in order by the finals. So we'll be starting with the, 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 men's, the women's and men's 10K, which are happening on Thursday night. And then all the other finals are happening on Saturday and Sunday. We'll kind of walk you through and make sure you know what's happening when as we go through each event. Before we jump into the event-by-event analysis, Steve, we have to set the table a little bit. This is not a U.S. championships that matters as it relates to qualifying for a world team. This is one of those odd years where there's no major international championship, no world championships, no Olympic championships. So... No one's qualifying. This is all just about U.S. bragging rights, which and typically in years where you have this kind of a situation where a team is not on the line, then it can mean that sometimes the fields are a little bit unique in that they can sometimes be interesting and that you might have an athlete trying an event that isn't their specialty. They can also be sometimes diluted because some of the major athletes have decided to opt out for a year and focus on some of the international meets and so forth. So there's some just kind of some different dynamics. You also don't have to worry about running a qualifying time, which is usually at least a subplot in some of the some of the events for certain athletes who yet may, yet may not have a standard time to make the world team. So none of those subplots are there. This is really just all about who gets first, second, and third, and the U.S. titles are on the line. You've got some very wide open fields in a few cases, which is going to be really fascinating as we walk through it. Anything else to set the table, Steve? No, not really. I mean, other than the fact that these races are going to happen in Des Moines, Iowa, which is a little bit of a different... I've been to that location many times for U.S. championships and NCAA championships, and it can be hotter. It can be hot as fuck out there. It can be really nasty. Um, the nice thing is for the long races, if they go at night, it can get cool, cooled off. But this is no Eugene, Oregon, 
Um, this is a lot more like Sacramento, California. And it's not even like Sacramento in the sense that Sacramento always cools off in the PM. Um, this is uh, There's challenges that come to running in Des Moines for distance races um, because, number one, you've got heat. Number two, you've got weather. In this part of the country, we've got tornadoes. We have got lightning storms, thunderstorms. We've got all kinds of craziness that happens. And so these athletes need to have all been prepared for running a race that's two hours later than the time that they set up. Um, so setting the stage there a little bit for athletes to make them realize this is not like in Eugene where basically it's just roll, 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 roll. Sometimes it's raining, sometimes it's warm, but it's usually okay for the distance races. This is another scenario altogether. They, people could be getting on the starting line in 85 degree temperatures, 90 degree temperatures. Um, people could be having to wait three hours because of rain delays or lightning delays. So this is another little piece of the puzzle that gets thrown into this, but I'm really excited. I think that we've got some really interesting races, Chris. And now that this is all so wide open, as you described, it makes the picks more fun and it makes watching the races more fun. It's almost most fun to watch this year because this is where you see the up and comers really trying to put their name out there. And especially this is where we try to see those young people coming out of college or trying to make that decision of whether they're going to come out of college trying to get a name out there so that they can actually get a college, they can get some kind of sponsorship, whether it's to get on a low level team that just gives them travel gear and some, and, and, and some support and some coaching, or if we're talking about some of the best runners in the world where they're and some of the best runners in the U S they're at getting an opportunity to make a big team. So here we go. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Looking at the forecast, there are definitely thunderstorms in the forecast. So there could be that chaos. The temperatures on Thursday, there. The temperatures on Thursday do look to be decent. The high that day is 70 and the low is 61. Yeah, that's so, true. So you could have a decent decent weather for the 10K on Thursday night. It does warm up a little bit into the weekend. You've got a high of 81 on Sunday. But the lows all week are upper 50s to low, to low 60s, which isn't too bad. That's almost unseasonably cool for Des Moines this time of year. So I it think... Is athletes will take it yeah but they'll just they will they need to be ready for that delay though because that's that may happen in some cases which then fucks with tv and everything else but anyway uh, that's another, that's a story for another day yes another reason to get nbc gold though so you can just watch it when it goes off another reason to fly to the location and be there <laughs> uh, yes yeah, we were both kicking ourselves about not being able to make this year. Yeah, we were buried with other stuff. Yep. Okay, so let's get into the events then. We are going to do our predictions as we always do. The last one we did, we we tied actually for the World Indoor Championships. You won prior to that at the World Championships last year, whereas I won at the U.S. Championships last year. So we've kind of been going back and forth and even had a tie in there with our, as it relates to our predictions. So we're pretty evenly matched so far. But we will see how we do this weekend. And we're going to start with the women's 10K. Steve, this one's going off at least as scheduled at 7 Central on Thursday night. If everything stays according to plan and there's no crazy weather issues, this one is going to be fascinating. There's lots of different sub storylines in this one and just like we said this one's gonna kind of be wide open you've got of course molly huddle in the field which i was a little bit surprised to see that she had sort of said that her track days were over but i would assume liar, liar, pants yeah, on i would assume that after 
Boston and having that that cold, wet taste in her mouth from Boston that she was eager to get back out and do something. So she's in the field. And as we know, there's death taxes in Molly Huddle as it relates to track 10Ks. So she's won multiple national titles, 25 national titles overall across all different events, road and track. So you've got to respect her being on the starting line, although who knows what we're getting after recovering from a tough day in Boston. You've got Emily Sis and her teammate in training with Ray Tracy, who has had really solid results at the last several U.S. 10K championships, but hasn't had a, a really a big result so far this year. I think she ran 9.01 on the track in the 3K, which isn't really that impressive or fast. So we don't really know what we're getting from Emily Sisson. You got Jess Tan. You got Gwen Jorgensen making her U.S. track national championship debut. You've got Sarah Pagano, who's had some really good results. Stephanie Bruce, who we who we've talked about as a marathoner, who's getting on the track to see what she can do there. Molly Seidel, Marielle Hall from the Bowerman Track Club, and we don't really know what we're getting with her either at this point. Carrie Demoff, Canuho. I mean, I I beyond Huddle, and even Huddle has a question mark because we don't know where she is with Boston or after Boston. This is just, to me, one of the most wide-open women's 10Ks we've seen in a long time. Well, that's true, except one thing that our listeners should do is that you should put in the link for them, those who are deep, deep into this, Chris, you should link in the actual list of their of their entries because on there it shows their marks. And when you look at the marks, it, it, it really does sort of separate wheat from chafe. Um, when you look at Molly and Emily – they have run in the recent past, which means in the last year in a couple of basically since May 1st of 2017, um, they have run literally 25 seconds plus faster than anybody else on the starting line. So the only person in that regard who I actually think needs to be pushed up is Marielle because she's got a 15-19 from a 5K, and we already know she made a world championship team or an Olympic team in the 10,000. So at the end of the day, you really got three ladies here, in my opinion, who are, are, are head and shoulders from a race performance at this level, at this speed level on tap. So in my opinion, it's a three-woman race. What's really interesting is what else could play out in the background, especially with a Gwen Jorgensen. Jessica Tone is known for amazing kicks. Sarah Pagano, they call her Spag. She went to she went to um, uh, to the great Syracuse University. She's showing things. And Chris, I, I Rochelle Kahula, Canulo. I mean, I'm that girl. I'm I'm excited about what she might be able to do. She just won the uh, the. Uh, what do they call it? The Portland Track Festival going away. She crushed everybody in the field. She did it all by herself. So while I agree with you that there's this sense of, yeah, that's a wide open field, there is sort of a the athletes who are next already next level. And you could arguably put Gwen there because she's a world champion, an Olympic champion, but she hasn't done she doesn't have the result yet, right? So I would say, in my opinion, in this case, there's really four women that are really have a shot in this race. Um, Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson, Gwen Jorgensen, and Maria Hall. That's my top four. 
And I think that they will do the work to separate themselves early on. There is zero fear in Emily Sisson or Molly Huddle in doing work. And Marielle Hall will follow behind and sniff the ponytail of any girl she possibly can and then do whatever she can do to start wrecking havoc three quarters of the way through the race. And Gwen Jorgensen is probably going to be a wild card here who could throw anything into this. So the interesting thing, Chris, is we've got another little storyline playing out in these top four, Chris. We've got Molly Huddle and Emily Sisson on one team, even though they're different affiliations. These girls have been training together for now nigh on 10 years, eight years, six years, like a long time they've been training together. They're not on the same team, but they're on the same coached team. They feel like they're teammates. And then you have Gwen Jorgensen and Mario Hall, two people who you probably wouldn't think of as team people. They neither of them have been team people in their life in their lives beforehand, but there seems to be some kind of amazing magic going on there at the Bowerman Track Club right now. All those ladies seem to be working together. Have you been on their Instagram recently? Oh yeah, oh, lots yeah. of photos of girls seven wide or five deep doing hard long runs together. There is something going on there, Chris. That's magical. The babes are, the babes are strong right now. They're doing some work. They're doing the work. So. I think this plays out to be an incredibly interesting play, but I don't think anybody else in that group really has a punter's chance. I mean, I don't think, I think Stephanie Bruce is not enough of a 10 K girl to be able to work it when the gears change. Maybe she'll be able to do something. Maybe she'll be able to make something happen. Um, Jessica Tun knows how to kick Chelsea Blas knows how to kick, but the rest of them, they can't. They can't play in this in the same in the same in the same game. And I don't think the two teammates, the two teams, are going to let this come down to a uh, a last eight hundred meter race. This is going to be separated somewhere around six k to eight k, and then we'll see what happens from there. Well, yeah, I think it'll be separated even sooner. I think you'll have potentially some team tactics here, maybe Huddle and Sisson working together just to to take everybody else out of the mix, probably from the gun would be my, would be my guess. No, I, 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 so I disagree with you, Chris. And I think that the only reason I disagree with you is because I've been at these non championship selection, U S championships and nobody gives two fucking wits for what they run. There is no getting an IWF qualifier. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing to run for these women will be playing cat and mouse, and it's the only time women play cat and mouse because there's no other, there's nothing else on the on the line. And the four women who would be doing that game, the only thing that could happen is somebody like Canulo or somebody like Pagano, somebody who's not in that mix, or Stephanie Bruce. One of them may just go and get a flyer and just, I mean, Stephanie Bruce could be somebody who just takes it out to see what happens. But I don't really see Molly and Emily doing any work until at least. 4K to 5K in. And Gwen and Marielle aren't going to do jack squat. I mean, Marielle will sit there to the last 100 meters if she can. I mean, she she will just do that. So, you know, but if I, you're, th- if you're I a huddle, though, I don't know. I just think if you're a huddle, that's your play. I mean, at yeah, this point, she, you've, you've got marathon well, strength. You, your, your PR is, I mean, other than Sis and your teammate, your PR is 35 seconds faster than anybody in the field. Why wouldn't you just put pressure because on it Mario Hall, because, because Molly Huddle is still the fastest 1500 meter runner in this field. <laughs> it, I mean, if you put these women up against each other and ran a straight up 1500, Molly Huddle is going to win. She's wheelie. She's fast. She's good. She, and the man, and we've seen this, Chris, 
she still hasn't fully committed to marathon training, you know? So right. we know that. So she's still going to be wheeling and fast. And I, I pick Molly. I mean, Molly's going to win this race period at the end of the day. There's the <laughs> only woman who can beat Molly in this race is Gwen Jorgensen. And the only reason Gwen Jorgensen can beat her is because she's already Olympian. She's an Olympic champion. And we don't know what the fuck is going on with Gwen Jorgensen. And I have to say, this is a day she should show up. I don't think she will. I'm not going to pick it that way. But I do think that Molly wins. And I put Emily at second. And I put Mario Hall at third. That's my picks. But I do think Gwen Jorgensen is the crazy wild card here who could win it and turn everything on its ear. The reason why I put Mario in front of Gwen is I've been following Marielle's Instagram feed very closely. This woman has been working very hard on her mental game. This is not going to be the same person who was disappointed with what happened to her indoors. And I think she's gotten some professional help. And it sounds like based on the things that she's talking about, the way that she's channeling quotations, the way that she's working her game, I think Marielle is in for a pound, in for a dollar. She's in to make it happen. And I don't think we're going to see – I think we're going to see a full-on ready-to-go Mario Hall. And I think she'll beat Gwen because I think Gwen's still not quite the 10K person she needs to be. And I think Gwen is probably still looking forward to that marathon performance and they're probably doing the work they need to do. Marielle hasn't talked one bit about what she's doing from a marathon perspective. She's focused on the 5K, 10K, making another Olympic team in 2020. She's hungry as hell. So I'm picking Molly, then Emily. Emily's just too good. She's too good a strategian. I mean, it, there's an argument for Emily winning this thing. I just think Molly's the best 1,500-meter runner, and I think it'll go out a little slower. It'll play around a little bit. It won't be a super, super fast race. It'll come down to the last 5K, 4K, 3K, and you're going to see Molly win, Emily get second, and, Ma- and Mario hold on. And I would love to see Mario make the crush everybody. My dream would be to do that, and if I wanted to not win this championship and beat your ass again then i would pick mario for the win but i'm not doing i'm going molly for the win emily for second and mario for third so i know we're gonna have some separation right here aren't we (laughs) well you know it's funny it's like i had the same picks literally the exact same order but you just talked me into changing it yeah Not, not not to be different but because i guess to me I, I literally had a huddle Sisson Hall in my picks, but I do, I do think the big question mark for me in, in the picks was what what Emily Sisson are we getting? And she yes. ran the nine hundred one. I didn't. I don't really understand that from her, and that's only I from agree. a couple of weeks ago. So it tells me that maybe she's not a hundred percent on her right. game. And right. and you're right. I mean, Hall has at least from an Instagram standpoint. <laughs> which we know is just all pretty pictures anyway, which she looks like she's sharp. She's in a good headspace. Clearly we know Schumacher gets his women ready to roll. So I'm going to flip that second and third in my picks based on this discussion. So I'm going to go huddle hall Sisson. Making me look bad with my my former athlete, my girl. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so at least we'll have some separation because otherwise that wouldn't be very interesting. So huddle hall Sisson, I think you're right about Jorgensen. Thinking about Gwen, why are you not putting Gwen in there? I I just don't think she's, she's ready for prime time yet. You know, I think especially when it comes down to if there, if it's the four of the, if it's these four women separating at the end, Jorgensen 
loses because she has she doesn't have the same kick that those other three have anyway and she doesn't have the experience i just think and and she's been probably building volume versus really focused on this event whereas marielle's probably more focused on getting a result here jorgensen's just focused on you know getting into the system building to the marathon and so forth so i think from an experience racing at this type of meat as well as from where she would be in training. I'm just, I don't think she's going to be there for the podium, but I do think she'll be in the mix and could surprise us. I also think Sarah Pagano could surprise us. I think she's somebody who has shown some, some form lately and we know is a, a, a tough racer. I think she's one, if there was a fifth person who's going to try to latch on and make something happen, that might might be there. I, I think she's her resume just isn't quite there to really get on the podium, but I think you'll see Sarah ch- go for it. I think you'll see her try to latch on, but probably lose contact with a lap or two to go. So if I had a wild card, that would be my wild card, Sarah Pagano. But, but yeah, I think you're right. I think the pedigree at the top of this is just too clear. So I guess because I, I picked... I'm I'm picking Gwen as my wild card. It's not very wild, but if you if you would require me to pick a more wild card, I would definitely go with Canuho. So with Rochelle, yeah. I think that her 3218 is soft. If you look at that separation after those first two and taking Marielle out of the hunt, everyone there is 3150 to 32 minutes. 3150 to 32 minutes. She ran a 3218, literally destroyed everybody in the last 800 thousand. And I think that she's really ready to go, and she may make a may make a play here. So I do. I would say, um, you know, if Gwen Jorgensen doesn't count as mine, I would I would use Canuo because I think she's probably going to beat Pagano or die trying. So we'll see. She's hungry. Yeah. She wants. Yeah. It she is. She yeah. is. So we will see. There you go. That's that's the women's ten k for you. But we think Pato will get her. 26th U.S. title. <laughs> At least we can agree on that. All right. The men's 10K goes off right after the women's on Thursday night at 740 Central. This one doesn't quite have the pedigree at the top that the women's race does. And and you don't have to, to go very deep for this to get really crazy wide open <laughs> on, this, on this list. You have, I think, a clear favorite in Chadrach Kipchichir, who's... PR is 50 seconds faster than the rest of the fields. But then after that, you've got Garrett Heath, 27.56 is his qualifier. Ben Bruce, Lopez Lamong, who we know has been all over the place and I guess is now moving up to see if he can hang around in the 10K. You've got Kipperchir's teammate, Elkana Cabet, who has been dabbling at the marathon primarily. And then you, and then it just kind of goes to a lot of guys I haven't really, frankly, heard of. After that, so <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting and crazy. You know, I don't really, I don't really know what to make of this race, to be honest, Steve. I do um, think this that is the one where you, this is the race where you go and get a couple of beers between the two races, and then walk back up with a, you know, basically two k to go. And see which of these four guys or five guys wins the race. Because there's five guys in this fucking race. There's only five guys. McClintock's solid. I mean, he's he, he's in the Zap program. He's really, really good. But he's not got the kind of 
wheelios or you know wheels. He doesn't have the kind of like chops. I'll be honest with you, Chris. I was straight up bold faced shocked to see Ben Bruce's name up there. That dude is the workman of all workmen. I remember when he was running the steeple and then coming back in the 10, just trying to make it to the U.S. championships. Now he's got the third fastest time with a 2809. Where the fuck did that come from? All I can tell you is they are doing something right. There is something good in the water in Flagstaff. He, you know, Ben Rosario's got them rolling. To get Ben Bruce back to where he is to this point, I mean, that's real deal stuff. I don't know where he got that qualifier, but that's fucking crazy. I don't, I don't expect to see him there. Maybe he will be there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to put him in there just for shit for just because he's got that time. 2809. You can't ever say anything about that. But those five guys, Kipchichir, Heath, Bruce, LeMond, Kibet. Now, the one the guy in here that people probably don't know that much about um, is Garrett Heath. He ran at Stanford. He was a miler for a long, long time. A long, long time. And he's the first Brooks Beast athlete rolled up. The, Brooks Beast has always been middle distance stuff. But Garrett Heath is a guy who knows how to run cross country. He knows how to run races. He's smart as a whip. This is a guy that if Shadrach Kipchichir decides to play around and do stupid fucking shit, Garrett Heath is going to whip his ass. He's going to, if they wait till it's 150 to go, Kipchichir is going to get beat. That That's, that's a true statement. Now, I don't think Kipchichir is that stupid. I think he's run enough international races now. He, he's gotten his butt kicked a couple times by people he didn't want to get his butt kicked by. That he'll get clear, a thousand out, and I'm sure his coach knows who Garrett Keith is, Garrett Heath is, and he will not let this thing come down to 400 to 500 meters to go. Um, I still think Kipchichir probably could beat Heath with 500 to go, but if Kipchichir, if Heath is still there as they're coming around that turn with 150. Heath has different gears. He's a, he's got a he's cut from a cloth that's like fast twitch muscle cloth. Whereas Lopez Lemong has always been a guy who had more of a wind up pull him in kick than a kind of like absolute afterburners jet kick. Garrett Heath always seems to have a little bit of creatine kick in his body where he does crazy things. So I think here, I don't think we need to belabor this conversation very much, Chris. I'm just going to throw my my votes out here. One thing I do want to say is I don't know where Ben Bruce is going to play in this. I know Kibet is strong as hell. He's in a good training model and a good training program, but he's been up and down with his results. Um, I'm going to call Lopez Lamont out at this point in time. Too many times have I seen him choke. So I'm going Kip to chair for the win. I'm going Garrett Heath for second place. And my my I'm just gonna say with 2809, my wild card is the guy who I'm calling for third place and Ben Bruce. And man, some people will say you're just calling it on the line, but man, that guy's been rubbing up on his wife a little bit more and getting some special <laughs> juice there. I'm telling you, he's getting some competitiveness to get to that point. So and Lopez, even though he's in the magic place, Lopez is not a team player. I I know he's not a team player. So. I think Lopez is just the super, super talented guy who just keeps stabbing away. He has nothing else to do with the rest of his life. This is what he's doing. He's like Leo, Leo Manzano. Nothing else to do with his life except be this. Unlike Kara Goucher, he hasn't the ability to take it and turn it into something else. And I think that – so I'm going Kip to cheer, Heath, Bruce, one, two, three. What do you say? Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I mean this one's tough. I, I think the most – the biggest – question to me is will the u.s army group with scott simmons as their coach 
shows some sort of team tactics because they've got Nicholas Caputo in this race as well. He doesn't have anywhere near the pedigree of Kipchichir and Kibet, but he could be a guy who could help pace early on and trade some work with Kipchichir and Kibet to try to burn off the kicks of Heath and Lamong. And so that to me is one of the questions, you know, how long does Kipchichir wait around? Does he go relatively early and have his team help him sort of keep the pace honest? Or does he wait till 2K or 3K to go to sort of put his stamp on the race? I think how, you know, those two things, whether it starts early or kind of waits till late will dictate this race. And I think if it goes the way you're talking about, which is that it sort of waits and he waits till maybe 2K or even 1K to go, then I think you're right. I think Keith probably gets second. I'm hoping, maybe against hope, for some team tactics from the U.S. Army crew and this will be a more honest pace from the beginning. And I just think something's in the water there with that U.S. Army crew. Oh, there's something in the water, brother. And, yeah, it, it may or may not be legal, but there's something in the water there. So, and I'm and I'm going with the the marathoner's strength over the kicker's speed, basically in this with with Kibet in second and Heath third. So I'm going Kipchoge, Kibet, Heath for cool. for my three picks. But I could I could cool. see yours play out. I don't really think Bruce is going to be there. I think if somebody gets third in a race like you're describing it's it's going to be Lamong if if he's in it at all now he may not even make it to that point because we know he's a bit of a head case but you know i think if well, he'll be in it it'll just be from 800 meter out he'll stop being in it and you'll wonder what the hell happened <laughs> up. right but there's just there's i mean if, if if there was a race where you get on the podium this is it so i think if the race plays out the way you're talking about it'll be Kipchoge Heath Lamong potentially not Bruce i don't see a way for him to get on the podium but anyway, my picks are Kipchishir, Kibet, Heath. If I had a wild card to pick, it'd be McClintock because I do think there's also something in the water. It's at Fitness, which is just it's really just, just bread and water <laughs> and vegetables happening there. Golden sheep. Yeah, exactly. So, so that would be my wild card if we're picking one. And we'll see. But this one is definitely wide open. You know, I think it would take... It would take a miracle for Kip this year not to win. But after that, who the hell knows? Yeah. As I said, the only way Kip Tichir wins is if doesn't win is if Heath is still there. Cause nobody else can beat Kip Tichir. And I'm not sure anybody can beat him period. But we'll see. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. So speaking of predictability or the lack thereof, we're going to go the other direction. Now with the steeple chases, We've got the finals for the steeple going off on Saturday. The women's is at 320 and the men's is at 355. The women's steeple field is underwhelming to say the least here. Unfortunately, Colin Quigley is out with a foot injury, potential stress reaction. I saw on Instagram that she did run nine miles today. So she is running, but she's in, she's actually in Phoenix getting treatment and from max mobility so we don't have the big three here. We've got the big two and Emma Coburn, Courtney Frerichs. I don't think there's 
any scenario by which those two aren't one and two, save for face planting on the water jump itself. And maybe we can debate who will win. I don't know if you want to have that debate, Steve. I think it's pretty clear in my mind that Coburn's going to win and Ferricks will get second. So the bigger question here is who gets third. And for that, it, it's pretty wide open. You've got a couple of Wazell athletes, Marie Lawrence, Megan Rowland, that have decent qualifiers, although 30, 35 seconds slower than those top two. Shalaya Kip, who's made an Olympic team, but is now, I think, getting her PhD at the University of Colorado, kind of focused on other things, has a qualifier of 944, but has been in the mix for the podium in the U.S. Champs. Sarah Pease, former athlete from Rogue Athletic Club, that used to coach, is also in the field and not too far down this list. What do you think? She's done so sort of switched to the marathon, but good likes to play and have fun at the steeple because it's her thing. So So are we are first of all, are we debating at all one and two? Or are you pretty Um I think we should debate one and two. Okay. I mean we should Great. debate the position of one and two. Okay. Go for it. What do you, do you not 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 that I'm necessarily gonna pick any different. Okay. But I do think our listeners should know, yes, at Rome there was a clear differential between Emma and Courtney in terms of what we saw in their performance. But Chris, one thing that happened in that race that I've thought about a lot lately is that that barrier was at the wrong height. And Emma has dealt with that a lot more. She's older than Courtney is. Um, she's been at a lot more. She, they both ran college athletics, but as college athletic, there's a, there's a little bit of a diff. There's like a two to three year gap there in the college athletic sphere that they had. And the steeple wasn't considered a real event for so long for women. Um, and so there was a lot of more opportunities for Emma to have bad situations like that happen. You know, and by the time Courtney came along, they were, the steeple was a real, real, real event as it is now. I mean, we're, we're among the best in the world. The women's steeplechase, we're there forever. We just won one, two at the world championship. So I wonder if some of what happened in that race was Courtney not having the ability to deal with something. I mean, literally the height, the difference of that, 30 inch, that six inch difference in height on a, on a barrier is a big difference, even if it's only over one hurdle. Um, and so I wonder if Courtney didn't just dial back, survive her first race, get herself in a position and then get that first race out of the way. So she's ready to go. Um, so I think there's an argument to put Courtney in first place here. Emma is in fuego. Emma could possibly go sub nine, even at the U S championship. She feels like she's so strong and so fast that even in a, even with Courtney being at 100%, I don't know that she could beat Emma right now, the way Emma is out of the box this year. The one thing, and we haven't seen Courtney do any other very distance. She doesn't do a lot of very distance races. We don't see her running 1500s or running the mile indoors. Like we saw Emma this year. We don't see her running a 5k in a longer race. Like we've seen some other, other steeplechasers do. So I kind of do think that there's an argument for whether Courtney is, is better than we think right now, but I wouldn't pick that way. Right. I just didn't see enough at Rome for me to say, I just think Emma's in fuego and that Emma will pull an Emma Courtney will stay with her as long as she can. Then she'll back off a bit and let it go. But Chris, if Courtney is on Emma's shoulder with 200 meters to go, I don't think she's going to make the same mistake that she made at the world championships last year. So, you know, that's where it comes down. I'm really tempted to say Courtney's good enough to be with Emma with 200 meters to go, 
will Courtney have that push? The difference maker for me is Emma's indoor campaign this year was she's just sharper, way, way sharper. So I'm with you. Emma first, Courtney two. But I did think there was an argument for that. And I just wanted our listeners to hear it just so I could make this <laughs> podcast as long as possible. Well, it's also, I mean, it's it's pretty much never that you get basically a match race. I mean, this is what this is. It's, right. a, it's a match race. It's two people racing each other and then everybody else racing each other. And so the tactics for that could be really interesting. I mean, I don't think there's any scenario where Courtney goes off the front of Emma, right? Because Emma won't let her go, really. But Courtney's definitely going to hang with Emma as long as possible, and then you never know. But I just think at this stage in the game, Courtney's too sharp, or, or Emma's too sharp. So Emma one, Courtney two. We agree on that. We'll, it will be interesting to see the, the tactics play out. Who do you have for three? I'm going to pick Shalea Kip. Her PR is slower, but she knows the game. She knows how to stay there. Marie Lawrence is really good, and she's run you know six seconds faster than the rest of them and basically 10 seconds faster than um, Shalea. But I just think Shalea is – I think she'll go find a way with that group of about five or six athletes between two, 950 and below. She'll be in there, and I think that Shalea Kip will get third. All right. Well, I'm going with Marie Lawrence. So we do have some differentiation there. I mean, she's, she's already competed. Marie Lawrence has what I like about her results so far this year is that she's competed at a bunch of different distances. She's run a 1500 at, at Portland where she ran 411. She's run a 5k earlier this year at Stanford where she ran 1546 She's had a decent 3K result already. So she's got, she's got, she's clearly also been working on some different things and seems to be competently training at this point. So I'm going Marie Lawrence, Lozelle athlete for third. And we will see if Kip can get back on the podium here. You just want, you just want to go for what's her, you know, this is, uh, what's her name's coaching? Fleshman. For, yeah, Fleshman's real first coaching debut, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think she's, she's coaching she's both been there. her and and um, uh, she might be coaching both her and Megan Rowland. And Megan Rowland, you know, Megan Rowland started as like a ten thirty steeplechaser a long time ago and has gotten so much better. But anyway, I I, I think that you're probably playing great numbers, but I just think that, in my opinion. Uh, international experience is Trump. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Okay, so she goes by Mel Lawrence, by the way, just so people know. You may hear that name on the broadcast. All right, men's steeple. This is another one where the wind, the wind seems to be pretty predictable. But if you're going to if you're going to peg this race, it's basically between six guys, maybe even five. If you wanted to knock Don Cabral out of it, because he's got, he's, he's kind of on the fringe, but you've got in this one, you've got essentially another team team competition. You've got Bowman track club against us army in this one with Jager and Andy bear from BTC competing against Cabene, Boer 
and Heron Lagat, who all who all run for U.S. Army. So, is there any chance, Steve, that Jager could be challenged in this one? You know, normally we would say yes, but it seems like Kabeni's been banged up this year and he's not running at full level. I mean, his 808 is not from this year; it's from last right. year. So. Um, I don't think so. I think Evan Yeager gets what is an unprecedented seventh title or something crazy. And he's got the chance to beat Henry Marsh, who is literally royalty of steeplechase. And Evan Yeager now will be inarguably, if he wins this title, he will be inarguably the greatest. I think he's already the greatest American steeplechaser of all time, but I think it is inarguable. I think only Henry Marsh is the person that somebody could say that about because Henry Marsh had been in a lot of world championship finals and 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 gotten medals a lot of olympic finals and gotten medals but evan yeager if he wins this will sort of in my mind leapfrog above and above beyond everybody else so i think evan's the win i think the rest of this is just for fun stuff after that i mean this is more competitive than the other races we've been talking about to this point in my opinion because that that two three two and three positions are going to be very very highly sought after and very competitive they will be, and there you have basically Bear against Kabene Bohr and potentially Heron Lagat. Heron Lagat's kind of a wild card in a sense. I mean, his PR is solid, but he's been doing different things. You know, he competed at the half marathon distance in Houston. He paces a lot in international steeple events, so not often do you find him racing at meets like this. And certainly his teammates, Bohr and Kabene, have that experience, having both been on Olympic teams. Can Bear, who's finished fourth, I don't know how many times at these U.S. championships, can he get on the podium in this field? I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. I think, I think basically, I think the question here is, does Bear have a chance to up to, to beat Kabeni? And I don't really know. I've just been hearing rumors that Kabeni's not at all, not firing on all cylinders. So, um, you know, I think that the real question here is, does Kabeni get pushed off? that podium you know we would normally you and i would say absolutely not but this is what the things we don't what we don't know is the devil right the devil in the details we don't really know what's how it's going to play out but i do think andy um andy has a way of making sure he stays he's been racing hillary board year in year out year in year out all over all lot so you know i gotta call evan for the win here and i'm gonna call andy bear for second you know i know andy's no longer with the bowerman track club you know he moved back home to indiana so he's and i think that actually plays out for andy in a better way because he doesn't feel the same in the slipstream from a training perspective yeah he got lots of benefits from that but andy likes to be the number one guy and i think that he'll you know he's back with his original college coach who's very good 800 meter 1500 meter coach and i think andy will have taken a lot of that strength work that he'd gotten with working with the Schumacher crew at the Bowerman Track Club and have gotten sharpened up and gone choo-choo-choo-choo, got himself in a good position. So I'm going to pick Andy for second here, and I'm going to play Stanley Cabeni for third because I don't think that – I think even with – without being in that great a shape, I'm going to put – I just think something is going not quite right with him, and I think Andy Bayer may have a little more fight and a little more fire. So I'm going to go Jaeger one, Bayer two, Cabeni three. That's how I'm picking it. Okay, fair enough. Well, we've got a different pick for second, so that's good news. I'm actually going Hillary Bohr for second. He beat Kabeni at the Prefontaine Classic. 
Ran 821 there, has a 13.26 5K in the spring as well, which is solid. So I'm going Hillary Bohr. I think he's just a little bit sharper at this stage than Kabeni. Kabeni for third, given his experience being on a podium. And I think Bear is going to be odd man out again, fourth place. So we will see. There we go. All right, let's jump to the 1500. The women's 15 goes off at. 346 on Saturday with the men's an hour later at 440. The it would appear, Steve, that this is sort of a tale of kind of two sections of race as well. But I do think, at least for the women's 15, because you have the pedigree of Simpson, Houlihan, Martinez, all Olympians with a list of other women behind that. Amanda Eccleston, Shannon Asaika, Kate Grace, who's also an Olympian, but not in the 15, that are kind of nipping at the heels of those three that could potentially surprise. But it's hard to think that you wouldn't have Simpson, Houlihan, and some order one two would you agree with that no i agree i think that those are our clear favorites and brenda's just not consistent enough to be able to for me to be able to put her in a position of that i mean she's had a decent year this year i mean she has i mean she did run two flat for the 15 i mean for the eight and she's run um 402 this year as well so that's that's pretty smoking you know but i just think that those two are going to have the ability to be ahead. So who wins? This one was tough for me. You know, I mean, ultimately I just, I just don't, I just think that Jenny Simpson in a race like this is going to win. And I think Shelby's going to win the five. So I'd, I'd loved, I th- I would love, I mean, I, I love both. I like both these girls. I would, I don't really care who, which of the two of them, but I just think that Jenny, um, she seems super hungry this year and she seems to be in a little bit of a different place. Um, I mean, I think this is a, and you know, these are also basically two girls who are from Iowa. I mean, these are two, they went to high school in Iowa. Um, so it adds another whole layer to the, what could, what could be happening and what could go down. Um, I think that I personally think that at this point in time, Shelby's training is probably dialed in really, really, really well right now. But Jenny has just been running pretty fast. I mean, she went 359 at, at, at Prefontaine and, you know, we saw what she did at Doha. I mean, she ran a three, an 830 for, for a 3k. So I'm just going to have to pick Jenny. I think Jenny's in on fire. And, and with you know, and I know with 100, as much of wheels as, as Hulihan has, Jenny will do everything in her power to get those wheels worked off. And I think she's going to run a really smart race. And I think that, that Hulihan can as currently just kind of a one race, one race style winner, in my opinion. And I just have to pick Jenny for the ability for the old, wily coyote who knows how to get the job done and to get into position and be right where she needs to be. So I'm going to pick Jenny for the win and Shelby for second. Mm-hmm. What about you? I completely agree. I just think Jenny's too savvy in championship 
championship style racing. Plus, she's never lost at Drake, which is in some ways a home track for her. So she's very, very comfortable there. And in championship style racing in the 1500, there's there's nobody better really in the U.S. So Houlihan definitely has a shot to surprise her and shock shock people with this one, but I don't see it happening. So I'm going Simpson Houlihan one two as well. The bigger question mark is who do you have for third? Yeah, so I'm just I think you know this is probably going to get me in trouble. Um, I just I, I may I may not win with this one. I mean. So I'm going to pick Amanda Eccleson because she just always seems to find a way to get really close there. And Kate was dis- has been disappointing this year. She's still trying to figure it all out. In my opinion, it's pretty obvious that's the case. Um, and I think Amanda knows how to get where she needs to get and be where she needs to be. Sarah Vaughn would be a nice person to pick because of her gutsiness and where she's at in life. And she's run really fast, but I just don't think, I think Amanda, I think it'll be a four woman race. You know, Brenda will be in there, but I think Brenda will make some stupid move at some point in time and make, (laughs) do something dumb. And Amanda Eccleston will get on her shoulder and find a way to dip at the finish line and beat her. So I'm going Jenny for the win, Shelby for second and Amanda Eccleston for third, because I just think what the last two or three U S championship races or Olympic trials races, she has been, she's just come up big. She knows how to peak. She's always ready. And I think she's the person to watch out for. So I'm picking her for my third. It's a fair choice. I'm going Martinez. So we will have some differentiation there, which is good. She's, she's been on form, you know, two flat, 800, 402, 15. I think she's sharp. I think you have fewer people in this race that are going to be in the mix for the win, especially where, where Simpson's going to want to keep it a little bit more honest to, to keep Houlihan from, just wielding that kick at the end. So I think the race plays out a little cleaner for Martinez, which will hopefully allow her not. Yeah. Well, Martinez has got to make it to the final because she'll probably trip and fall. <laughs> yeah, and but, have to but in these, in these fields, she's not going to have a problem with that. But anyway, I think it's a little cleaner for her with this field. And so I think she gets it done just with the resume that she has. So there you go. We've got a different pick for third. On the men's side, you've got some interesting, an interesting storyline here. At least Robbie Andrews, defending champion, is back this year. Centro, Matthew Centrowitz, we're, we're trying to see if he can get back on the top of the podium here. So you've got that battle. And then, of course, Centro's teammate, Craig Ingalls, is in the field. Clayton Murphy has opted not to get beaten this. He'll be in the 800. And then you've got Johnny Gregoric, who's made a world team last year and get and who got third to make that team in London. So, you know, you've got pretty solid top of this field, and then it kind of thins out similar to the women's side. In my mind, this is between Centro and Andrews for the win, but would you disagree with that? Yeah, I would. All right. Who do you think? I think you got to put Gregoric in the mix. Okay. I mean, I think that he's a person who, you know, he doesn't, he's not got a, he doesn't have a great name. You know what I mean? People don't necessarily know who he is. Um, but I think that he has been showing pretty good form. I mean, he's had a good year so far this year and he's been smart about the race choices that he makes. And I think that, 
he's somebody that might surprise some people. Um, and I think that, you know, he's he, a three thirty six. You know, he, he did that. I think out at the uh, at the oxy meet. I mean, that's a really solid performance um, for him. And I, you know, he's not run like the one forty six that you might expect out of a fast fifteen guy. Um, he's you know he ran he ran a uh, a three fifty four mile, which is pretty solid. And most places you'd say that wouldn't get him anywhere, but it's not that much slower than Centro. And he's run faster this year for a fifteen outdoors than Centro has. Um, the real question here is just where's Robbie at? And, um, you know, Robbie has, Robbie has run really, really well. So I, I think you've got to call it a three man race. I don't think that yet that we've seen enough out of Craig Engels, in my opinion, to give him, um, that, that next, that next push. Now, the one person who I want to talk about here more as a, just as a storyline for our listeners to our, our our listeners to know about is Drew Hunter, um, and and this is a high school runner. This kid's in high school, <laughs> and he's run a three thirty six. He's taken a few scalps this year, and he's done some things that people haven't expected. And in my opinion, um, I'm not picking him for the podium, but this is a guy that everybody should be listening to and be ready for. Drew Hunter is the real deal and he is somebody who um could be sneaking in there but i just think that these three guys gregoric centro and robbie they're all on form right now i think angles is a step back he's still getting used to zalazar's system so i'm gonna i'm gonna make a little bit of a prediction here that might shock some people and i'm gonna say john gregoric is gonna get his first u.s championship i think john gregoric is gonna win this race wow. and i'm gonna pick and I think that if that happens, um, it's going to be a kicker's race. And I think and Robbie might – well, Robbie will get second and Central will get third. Um, I don't think Craig Angles has the wheels to stay with these guys and shift. And I think Centro, he's still looking for that thing to make him hungry. Um, and I don't think he's there yet. I just don't think he is. And so I'm going Gregoric for a win, Andrews for second, and Centro for third. This is an area I'm sure where we're going to get some separation, but – I've got to pick it somewhere, and I I, I feel like Gregoric has been getting stuff done, and he seems to be at a different level, and so I'm picking him for uh, for the win. Interesting. Well, you know, Robbie Andrews has a faster 800 and a faster 1500 so far this year, so I don't see that scenario playing out, regardless of the style of race. I don't actually have Gregoric on my podium at all, in fact. So this will be interesting. I'm going Centro for the win. I think he he wasn't as sharp as we'd like to see him at Prefontaine, but he showed that he's at least getting back on form. And when it comes to championship racing and tactics, he tends to be on, on his game in those types of races. So I, I see him returning to the top of the U.S. podium, getting the win. I'm going with Andrews for second. I think those two will be going neck and neck down the final straight with Centro getting the edge. And I'm picking Drew Hunter for third. Awesome. <laughs> so, I'm glad yeah, to hear that. So I, I had already yeah. brought him in. I don't even think he's a wild card at this point. He won a meet recently with Chris O'Hare and Nick Willis in the field running a 356, which wasn't an insanely fast time, but it also wasn't a super fast race. So I think... 
he's coming around. He is high school age, but he's gone pro running with Adidas. And I think, you know, and, and, and I think he turned pro a couple years ago now. So it's been 18 months or so. So he's, so he's still young, but hasn't really had the results we had hoped from him since the, since going pro. But I think this is sort of his coming out party on the U S stage at least. So I'm picking him on the podium for third. There you go. And then I think you'll have Ingles and Gregoric battling it out for fourth. We'll see. All right. Now we got to switch to the eight hundreds. These are going off. We're now onto the Sunday finals. The 805K are on Sunday with the women's 800 at 304, the men's 800 at 313 Central on Sunday. We'll start with the women's eight. Steve, this one seems to be a battle of <laughs> racing partners. I mean, it's almost like you, you don't even need them to come all the way to Iowa to do this, to do this event because you've got the three teammates in Aji Wilson, Charlene Lipsy, and Raven Rogers that seem to be the class of the field. And Ciara Brown is in there and, you know, Kronusha Williams made an Olympic team, but none of them seem to be in the place that they need to be to be able to do this. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, it, it's crazy to think about it, but uh, one coach who pretty much almost nobody knows Derek Thompson's name because he's the mailman. He's a, been a, a mailman for all of his life. I don't know if he's still, so he was Mario Hall's high school coach, and I recruited Mario to run at University of Texas. And he and I talked on the phone pretty much weekly for many, many years. And this guy is a Jamaican, originally Jamaican, who's a naturalized American citizen. And he he's a mailman, works for the federal government, and or he has up until about a year and a half or two years ago. And he has the best, three best 800-meter runners in the world who are actually women, um, which is incredible storyline. But yeah, Chris, I mean, at this point in time, it's just pick your three, you know what I mean? And which one? And I think you got to pick Aji for the win. I mean, she's just on fire this year. She seems hungry. She doesn't seem to lose at this level. Um, and, you know, I, 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 we, we, the question here is whether Raven, the diff, what will happen between Raven and Charlene? And Raven is the better big meat racer than Charlene is. But Charlene ran 158 already this year at, um, at Prefontaine. And I think that gives her the edge this year because I think that it seems like if you're going to have three girls and they're all from the same training team, they kind of know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And unfortunately, a little bit of a pecking order thing starts to play out. Um, also, Charlene also was forced by her coach to run a 1500 this year because he always likes to make people do that. I mean, she ran a 404 1500 meters. This is a former anchor of a 4x4 at LSU who ran a 404, 1500 meters. I think that this year we're seeing a Charlene Lipsy who finally has gotten her nerves under her, gotten herself into a position where she feels like she's a world beater, finally believes that she doesn't have to go out and beat Ajay to be one of the greatest American distance runners at the 800 meter ever. So I'm going to pick Charlene for the for second place here and give Raven the nod for third. I'm going, so I, I bet we're probably going to be very similar. Will you will you flip those two? or where would, uh, how would you I have the exact same picks for for pretty much the exact I mean, same reasons. Originally, I had Rogers with the slight edge as when I when I sort of did my first reaction before I did my research. But then once I did my yeah. research and I saw Charlene's results, she had a rough 2017, but she's definitely Terrible on form this year, yeah. both with 
the strength showing in her 1500 and her eight at Prefontaine. So she seems to be on better form than Rogers this year. And so I'm just going to give the edge based on that to Charlene for second and, and Rogers for third as well. And, you know, I, th- I think if there's a, if there's a person that somehow disrupts that and maybe edges Rogers at the end, it would be Ciara Brown, as you referenced, but it's going to be hard to knock off those three that are going to be super comfortable running next to each other as they do in training. And not only do you have that going, but they're also from just a pedigree and, and resume standpoint, the class of the field. So they're the class of the world right, right. field. <laughs> they will be, if there are world championships this year, all three of those women would yep, be in the yep. final. So, so the men's is far more interesting for sure. This is the race of the meat, Chris. I mean, this is to me the race of the meat. I mean, the women's fifteen is super interesting, but this this one is. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have no idea what we're getting from Donovan Brazier, who hasn't raced outdoors yet. He would be the favorite on paper with the best PR, but we have no idea what's going on with him. He scratched from Prefontaine, so we've got no evidence of his form. Isaiah Harris won NCAA's from Penn State. And you know, he was the dark horse that I picked for world championships last year that snuck on the podium. You've got Drew Wendell also who's competed at the world championship level. Clayton Murphy, who's chosen to run the 800 this time, who has an Olympic medal in the 800 from Rio. Of course, you've got Eric Swinski, who's kind of always been in and around the top three at these types of meets, although tends to have more success at the indoor level, you know, and then Bryce Hopple from Kansas. So this year, but you know, but I have no idea because we have no, I mean, if we knew what we were getting from Brazier, this would be so much easier to pick, right? Because you would know not only that he would potentially win, but also the type of tactics you would see. But given the fact that we don't know what we're getting, it's hard for me to, to even know what we're going to see in these races. So I'll, I'll start and just give you my thoughts on how this is going to play out. I think, I don't think Brazier, I think either Brazier doesn't show up at the starting line or does something silly in the prelims and doesn't even make the final. So I'm sort of counting Brazier out in my picks, which is a big assumption I know, but that's, that's where I am. And I like, but I like, in terms of the rest of the field, I like Isaiah Harris because he's on form. We know coming off of NCAAs, he's also been on a a big team. So I'm picking Isaiah Harris for the win. I'm going with Drew Wendell for second. He, We know he has the experience to potentially win in a meet like this, but he's also been coming back from injury, so we don't know exactly his form. So I'm going Harris, Wendell, Clayton, Murphy as my top three, which is mm. which is kind of random, but I feel like I just kind of had to throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, it's really hard to play out. You know what I mean? I mean, basically, I mean, one thing that we we didn't really talk that much about Bryce Hopple. I mean, the Kansas NCAA champion who ran one forty five sixty seven to win NCs. That's that's screaming fast, you know. So, to me, I think ultimately this race is that big question mark. What are we talking about with Brazier? Brazier, where is he at? 
What's going on? You know, one of the things that happened this year is his he's still a young buck. And his college coach got in big, big trouble for playing with the merchandise at A&M. And so he has not had a consistent – so it seems like he hasn't raced all indoors. His training situation is kind of funky and weird. But it's Donovan Brazier. And at this point in time, I kind of see him as a guy who – if he doesn't have his shit together, then maybe he shouldn't be in this sport altogether because he's got to figure this stuff out. He's got to be – if he wants to be an, Olymp- an Olympic champion, which we know he has the ability to do, then he's got to be able to make these things happen and get it done. But that's not enough for me to pick him, Chris. I, I think that the form we saw from Clayton Murphy at Shanghai this year, he ran 145. Getting him back in that neck in that kind of fitness – tells me he's ready to go and i think he's just got the sharps and the smarts and i think that he's going to get his business figured out so i'm going to pick clayton murphy for the win here and i'm going to pick isaiah harris for second but i'm going to give donovan brazier third place and that's because getting him on the podium and you not having him at all is serious points for Mm -hmm. me if i get them so i'm doing a little gamesmanship here and saying hey you got Murphy off the list altogether, and you're not playing Donovan at all. Then I'm going to get no, no, both got, of them I in the Murphy top in third. three and get some. I'm I'm here as Wendell Murphy. Okay, cool. I think Drew is not going to have the kick that we've been seeing from him in the past. He's not right. He's not quite there. We haven't seen it from him all year. He hasn't raced very much. He may surprise us and get us all, but he he's the guy. So I'm going to go. I'm going Murphy for the win. Harris for second. And all right, for interesting. So. We will definitely have some separation there. And that one, again, if you tune into one race at 3.13 on Sunday Central, that's the one to tune into because who knows, who knows what you're getting. And I think you got to also check out the prelims on that one too because there could be some drama playing out there with one of those favorites. No All right, doubt. last events of the weekend. We've got the 5K. And in this case, there's no actual prelim round. It's just going straight to the final in the 5K. So you've got these happening Sunday at 322 for the women and 430 for the men. You've got some interesting storylines here on the women's side, Steve, because you've got some doubling happening. You've got Tulahan doubling back from the 15. And so she might have three races in four days. And then you've got potentially her teammate, Mariel Hall, doubling back from the 10K on Thursday. And so that could be interesting. And, and I would imagine both of those doubles will stick because, you know, Jerry, especially without any teams on the line, you know, he likes to see them do more work, and get the volume in that will pay dividends later. Doubling, I can tell you that for sure. There's no way she would yeah. be out there not doing it that exactly. way because she's hungry as hell. So <laughs> both of those two will double back for sure. And then you've got after that just a kind of a smattering of other women that you know aren't necessarily 5K specialists. In some cases, you know they have you know there's some 1500 meter runners in here. You've got some collegiate runners in the mix. Some runners like Sarah Sutherland, who's been had been really running the 15 more, has now moved up to the five. Carissa Schweitzer, NCAA champion in the mix. Kay Mackey, 
world who was in the world indoors at three K is in this field. Lauren Packett, Rachel Snyder of Brooks and Under Armour, respectively, who both have solid five fifteens. So clearly to me, Hulahan's the class of the field, and I I don't think there's anybody else you would want to pick for the win with a sane mind, Steve. After that, honestly, I have no clue. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have some clues. So let me give you some of my thoughts here. Um, So one of the real question marks here is this is Carissa Schweitzer. She has been dominating the NCAA championships over the last couple of years, Um, both five and 10. Usually Um, she got surprised at NCAAs in the 10,000 by, uh, Shannon Loki from the the Kenyan from Kansas, who people didn't expect to win. Carissa just didn't look quite right. I don't know what was going on that day, but she's had a really stellar year this year, running 15-19 this year. And I think there's a really smart move by her and her coach, um, the coach at Missouri, to get her to the point where they made this decision to run this 5K. And I she won the 5K at NCAAs, and I think she's ready to go. So I will be very interesting to see what happens with her. Sarah Sutherland, I have some inside intel. She's been banged up this year. I don't think we're going to see the full-on, complete, ready-to-go Sarah Sutherland that we've seen in the past. She's also entered in the 15, so we don't know how that'll all play out. Is she going for the 15? I don't know where she's at. She would. She was coy with me. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't tell you all any inside information beyond the fact that she just not hasn't been completely healthy all year. So, whereas normally this would be a year where she could really take some advantage, I don't know that we'll see that. Mario and Sarah were teammates at Texas in, the, in those years when I was coaching. But the one, Lauren Paquette is also an incredibly interesting story. She ran at, Brooke, she ran at um, Baylor University and um, just tried to be a 1,500-meter for a long time. And I remember when I talked to her when she was at Baylor, I was like, you should be a 5K girl. And she fought me with She thought I was crazy. I'm telling you, man, that girl has got both strength and wheels or confidence at the highest level that it's ever been at. And I would love to pick Lauren Paquette to be on the on the on the podium here at this race. But I've got to say, Rachel Schneider, what she's done the last two years, the way she snuck up, she's quiet, quiet, quiet. Chris, I don't know if you did I any did. homework on her this year. She's, she's she got times at all distances that are pretty impressive. All distances, 408 for the 15. Her 3K isn't very fast, but that was a Des Moines. It was kind of a weird race, and that was the race that Jenny just blew everybody out of the water. So it was kind of like survive or die situation. You know what I mean? It really wasn't. I don't really – I think that number is aberrational. And I think she's probably – if she's run 201, she's probably more and likely in 405 shape for 15. I I just think that Rachel, she's kind of got these girls' numbers – from that perspective. So I'm going to pick Shelby for the win and Rachel for second. And then I would love to pick Lauren because I just bleed for her. I would love to pick Mario. I'd love to pick Sarah, but I want to win. I want to beat you. So I'm going to go Carissa Schweitzer for third place. I just think the NCAA champion is hungry. This is her senior year, Chris. She needs a sponsorship. She needs a result. This is one of those athletes who I say she wants it worse than other people and I think that Mario will be a little tired from the fifth, from the 10K. I think she'll give you her best effort, but she'll be a little bit tired. Katie Mackey, I haven't seen much from her this year. 
Maybe she's in Fuego. Maybe she's not. I don't know. That girl, who knows what will happen. And Laura Paquette, she's on fire. But I just think Carissa Schweitzer is going to want it, and I need to take a dark horse pick to get on the podium here. So I'm going for Carissa Schweitzer for third. It's an interesting pick. I think it's not a bad one, but I start to see I started to see long a long season perhaps in her legs at NCAA. So I'm going with Houlihan for the win, Mackie for second, coming off the confidence of making the indoor world team, where she hung with Houlihan for a lot of that race. And and then Schneider for third. I think if you look at Schneider's resume, I could easily see Schneider getting cool. second as well and flipping those two, Mackie and Schneider. I think if you look at her resume from this year, having run so well from 800 up to, to 5K, that she has a definite edge there over the rest of the field. I do think this is going to be a relatively slow race. Houlihan doesn't have any reason to take it out. I think Hall might be a sacrificial lamb here, which would Hall be Hall could be, which which could make it a little bit more interesting. It would it would play in the hands of somebody like Schweitzer, who I think would do better off of a more honest pace. But as it is, I think you've got the three the three runners here with more experience at the fifteen hundred and and lesser distances: Houlihan, Mackey, and Schneider finishing our podium. All right, let's go to the men's. Quickly, men's 5K, last distance event of the weekend, 4.30 Central on Sunday. Paul Chalimo has got to be your clear favorite Olympic 5K medalist. And then you've got sort of a, a mix of other athletes that could be in the mix for the podium. Eric Jenkins, who got second in last year's U.S. Championship. You've got Hassan Mead, who has made a team in the 10K. Ironically, Ryan Hill from Bauman Track Club. You've got Riley Masters, who has some solid results from this year. Then you've got some collegians like Grant Fisher, who could be in the mix behind Chalimo. I got to believe that Chalimo is not going to mess around with this one, just like he did last year in the U.S. Champs. So I think he's going to go and keep it honest, like he likes to do, kind of front run to get the win. And after that, it could be really interesting I'll give you my thoughts and then I'll get your reactions to you. I think Ryan Hill, I'm going to pick Ryan Hill for second. I think what you're going to see here is that maybe he's going to realize he made a mistake by letting Chilimo go last year. He's been training with Schumacher for a while now, has strength and needs to really keep this race honest in order to get second and or have a chance of maybe somehow magic happening and getting Chalimo in the end. So I think you're going to see him stay with Chalimo this time versus letting him go. In which case I like his strength-based program with Schumacher better than the rest of the field. I think that would hurt Meade. I think that also hurts Jenkins, who has a solid kick, but maybe not the same strength as Ryan Hill. So I'm going Chalimo, Hill, Jenkins as my top three. I think Meade has a chance. And so if I were going to pick a fourth, he would be my fourth. What do you think? You know, this one, um, it's tough because the one thing that's going to happen, I mean, it's if the question is, what does Chalimo do? Does Chalimo go from the beginning like he did last year or does Chalimo wait till a little bit ways in? Because that will play differently. Because if Chalimo goes early, then it's going to make it, a lot more competitive and a lot better scenario for 
a guy like Riley Masters and a guy like Eric Jenkins. Because those are your two wild cards here, slow race, and those two guys are really speedy and wheely. Um, and so I think a lot of what Chalimo did, because if, if Chalimo's not in this race, um, I've watched Hassan Mead, who's a 10K guy, who will probably be an Olympian in the 10K or in the world on the world championship team in the 10K next year, do a lot of stupid fucking shit. And he does stupid things all the time. And I think that he will not go to the lead and not push the pace and not use his strength as a strength because he's worried about getting out kicked the last 100 meters, even though he's going to get out kicked the last 100 meters because he doesn't have the wheels those other guys have. So I, I think that what's going to happen here, basically my picks are going to be Chalimo for the win, Hassan Mead for second, and Ryan Hill for third. I would love for Jen- I think Riley. I would love for Riley to get in there. Riley's engaged to Sarah Sutherland. They're getting married this year in Colorado. I'm looking forward to going to that wedding. But I just think he's not quite there yet. I think one more year, and he's got a real chance to make the world championship team. This race for him, for Riley Masters, is going to be a real, a real game changer. If he could put his nose in there and get himself on the podium and push Hill or Jenkins or Meade out, it will be a game changer for him in terms of his results. Unfortunately, he ran Prefontaine, a 358 at Prefontaine, and just didn't look quite right. Now, that could be a factor of coming down from altitude and not being ready for those kinds of wheels. I don't know. Riley Masters' coach is Mark Wetmore. The guy knows how to get people ready. But but I think that you're right. The question is, is I need to look up what, what has Ryan Hill done this year? So if Ryan Hill is in shape, then it's a problem for other people. You know what I mean? Um, if Ryan Hill is not in shape, then he's – kind of a he's kind of may not be i mean he's always been ready well he ran 339 8 22 so i don't know so this is what i'm calling chris <laughs> you already called I'm going it. and riley masters for third you know why i'm going for riley masters for third because i want him to be in that position i want it to happen i'm going my heart on this okay, one so you're changing so we have a hill big out. difference there all right so yeah. you're taking hill out you're going meet after you bashed me you're going to meet second masters third yes okay, and i've got hill jenkins Sorry, Chalimo Hill Jenkins. All right, well, there you go. We got plenty of room for separation outside of the ones where we picked the exact same, like the women's eight. That's our preview, folks. Definitely check out the U.S. Championships this coming weekend. You could get it on NBC Gold, as we mentioned, or it'll be live on NBC televised Saturday and Sunday between 3 and 5 Central. And, of course, we'll give you all of our recap thoughts and give you updates on the prediction contest between Steve and I on the backside. So thanks so much for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys soon.